Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We are right back here on the Silence Washington podcast brought to you by the Sideline Sports Network where we take command for the SSN. I'm your host and head of NFL operations coming to you for the second time this week, Parker Hamlet. We got our preview edition of week four as the Washington Commanders open as a three-point underdog this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. And if you're out like me, you're wondering... Just three points, but we're here to talk about all of it and dive into it with a very special guest. And if you're listeners in the Artie Realm, guys, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, doesn't matter. Leave a rating or a review. Drop an emoji down there. doesn't matter. Let's move up those charts. If you're watching us in the YouTube realm, like it says in the intro, guys, subscribe and click the bell to turn on notifications for all the latest whenever an episode drops. Or we got some exclusive YouTube content. But like I said, joining me for our preview edition of the Dallas Cowboys this upcoming weekend for week four is my guy he's the dc sports writer editor for full press coverage formerly at sports illustrated as well he's the host of the full press coverage podcast for the washington commanders over on youtube make sure you guys subscribe and check that out my guy george carmy here to school us today on all things burgundy and goal you know george obviously huge nfc east implications throughout the duration this weekend two two big nfc east matchups early in the year uh, I said two teams will be up one game or, or down a game coming out of the weekend. Eagles, of course, absolutely beat us into the ground. Three and uh, they're sitting at three and at the top of the NFC East right now. Cowboys go two and one. They're one and zero in the East now. Yeah, the Cowboys and the Giants just wrapped up yesterday on Monday Night Football. Uh, you know, obviously not having Dak in that game was a big deal for them. They want to see if they can keep their heads above water. But they are undefeated with Dak against uh, the Giants since 2017. So there was some big questions going into that. Very dismal half of football. They're down six to three at the half, but Daniel Jones' mobility keeps them in the game or keeps 100%. the Giants in the game, per se. Superhero run from Barkley. Zeke answers right back. They're tied 13 13. They still managed to go five of 10 on third down, uh, but they, they put all their stock in CeeDee Lamb, and he showed up when it mattered. Uh, some he questionable did. plays out of him as well, though, but we'll certainly get into that. Nice little <laughs> one handed snag in the back of the end zone. First of all, how are you? And are you worried about a guy like CeeDee Lamb heading into this Dallas Cowboys matchup this weekend, especially after how, how Devontae Smith just absolutely erupted against the secondary? Yeah, man. Perker, thank you for having me, by the way. I always appreciate your work, so I love collaborating with you and finally talking to you again. It's been a little while, so happy to be back here again, bro, so thank you for having me. Um, in return of the Cowboys, man, I am concerned about the game, and I think um, – I don't know if CeeDee Lamb would be my primary concern. I guess on offense, he probably would be. But I think the bigger concern would probably be the defense. Their defensive front, I believe, is leading the NFC or leading the NFL, possibly, in sacks again, so they basically are generating – you know, Michael Parsons, four sacks going into yesterday's game, and I didn't get a chance to Mark how many he had yesterday, but he's a one-man wrecking ball. Um, you know, we're seeing threats. You know, the Lions are generating pressure against us. Um, basically, the Eagles are pressuring us as well. And I think the Cowboys 
pass rush is superior to them. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how we combat that. Um, yes, Washington's starting to get a bad reputation of basically giving up, um, you know, a lot to slot wide receivers. They had Kirk, Christian Kirk week one. We had um, Amon Ross and Brown week two, Devontae Smith week three. Here comes CeeDee Lamb, another talented player. <laughs> you look pretty damn good yesterday. Um, we just got to cross our fingers and hope Washington can outcoach the Cowboys, which is definitely going to be interesting because I do think they had the firepower both on offense and defense, but can Washington just kind of put it together and have a great scheme to combat what the Cowboys are going to do? The Slim Reaper, Devontae Slim, Slim Reaper, had, had himself a hell of a day. And you, now you're right. It's a little bit of a trend. Like what wide receiver is, is going to show up and torch the commanders this week? Uh, Kendall Fuller's PFF grade. I'm not even going to get into that, but this secondary, mm. I, I, I think overall in totality, I uh, had Maul in the last episode. Uh, the defense showed some encouraging things, and we'll certainly get into that. But the defensive side of the ball for Dallas, they get the game sling interception with Trayvon Diggs, who had a hell of a year last year. And the Cowboys uh, leave MetLife two and one, and so do the Giants. So, but I mean, I feel like the story of this game and, and the story really of the Dallas Cowboys right now, just Cooper Rush, he finishes the day 215 yards, a touchdown, no picks, 98.2 quarterback rating. You know, it's funny because we, we talked about Taylor Heineke so much last year. The national media ate that up. Very interesting career for Cooper Rush so far up to this point as well. He gets his third career start on Monday Night Football. You know, obviously Jerry Jones is talking about quarterback controversies. Uh, Dak being out with a hand injury right now. I, I don't think yeah. that that's, there's any controversy here. Uh, but, yeah. you know, in four seasons in Central Michigan, I mean, he amassed some pretty solid numbers. Cooper Rush, 12,000 yards, 90 touchdowns, 55 picks, completion percentage of 62. He went unselected in the 2017 NFL draft, but was signed by the Cowboys a few weeks later. He was the third-string guy behind Dak Prescott and Kellen Moore, who is now their offensive coordinator which I thought was pretty interesting, but was eventually released during the season. Uh, but, you know, Cooper also made his first appearance in an NFL game against the Niners and, and, and back in 2017. So this is a guy who's been around the building a lot, been around the organization a lot. Wow. And, you know, over, over the next two seasons, Rush remained the backup, but he did not attempt to pass. He was cut in 2020, actually, when they signed Andy Dalton. But Dak goes down, seems to be a, a big trend with the Dallas Cowboys. He did spend a short tenure with the Giants, ironically, uh, but was cut in September 2020. Then Dallas brings him back in November 2020. He gets a start in Week 8 uh, against the Minnesota Vikings, of course. Uh, they ended up coming out short on that performance, but got a little bit of playing time. He was cut at one point during this preseason, but was immediately signed to the practice squad, cleared waivers. Uh, you know, one in week two, 235 yards and a touchdown, a 20 to 17 victory over the Cincinnati Bengals. It appears likely that Prescott will return to face the Eagles on October 16th, or at least that's what the streets are saying, George. But mm -hmm. what do you, what's your initial one word reaction uh, when you hear Jerry Jones talk about a possible quarterback controversy with Cooper Rush and Dak? I just, I, I pay no he mind just... to it. He's like Vince McMahon, dude. He basically is the <laughs> ultimate promoter, dude. That's, that's what he does. He's a fantastic. He's fantastic at that, right? So, Jerry Jones knows how to sell tickets. He knows how to get the Cowboys in the whole, um, you know, in the news and basically be talked about. Like prior to this whole QB controversy, Dak Prescott was going to start next week, right? He kind of keeps bringing that up over and over again, and he's kind of keeps the Cowboys in the news, and that's why he has the most lucrative team in, in the cross the league. He's smart about that, right? So, good for him. Um, one thing I want to tip the cat. To tip the cap to the Cowboys about is everyone thought the Cowboys were going to be dead to rights when Dak Prescott went down. Cooper Rush is definitely looking pretty good. He actually had a pretty solid game yesterday. I thought he seemed pretty effective. He was throwing with authority and throwing with intention. He knew what he was doing. And the offense 
like, you know, they're pretty talented all the way around. Like Dallas has two great running backs. Like Ezekiel Elliott's kind of on the downhill of his trajectory of his career, but he's a power rusher and he's good on the short yardage plays and in like within the 10 yard line and in for like, you know, the red zone. And then Tony Pollard, man, he's explosive. I think he had what, 13 carries for 107 yards, 105 yards, 8.1 yards per carry. Dude. Yeah. So looking at this, Tony Pollard, 105 yards, Ezekiel Elliott, 73 yards, almost 200 yards rushing. And that's basically, that's the formula. If you, if you have a backup quarterback and you can sustain that, then you're doing well. You know, now one more thing before go ahead. No, 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 you're good. I'll say one more thing. I was gonna say, like, it's funny, Dallas really started to thrive. I don't know if he actually caught the game live yesterday, but um their left guard got injured and they put Jason Peters in at left guard, who's you know, habitually a, like a cornerstone for the Eagles left tackle, big guy, Hall of Famer, you know, up and coming. Once they put him at left guard, he just just a big brute. They just kept running there in five plays behind him over and over again, and Tony Pollard exploded. So, like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the formula coming up. I saw I mean, 2016 like Dak in so, yeah, like, some yes. of those. I mean, not Dak. 2016 Zeke in some of those carries too. I think he had a 27 yard carry when come in the game too. And I was like, oh man, they're getting he going did. at the right time. But I mean, Cooper Rush definitely 100%. not a franchise quarterback uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, even with a pretty stat performance upcoming this weekend. No, but definitely not. Career yards 938, uh, five to one touchdown interception ratio, 95.4 percent passer rating. If, if I'm going to compare him to anybody, it's like a Jacoby Brissett kind of role. You just need him to kind of keep them above water, come in and and, and be a nice stable starter and. I think if, if that's the value you're looking for for the guy at Cooper Rush, I feel like you're getting exactly what you what you asked for. But you still got to roll out with Dak Prescott at some point. He is their franchise quarterback. Everybody's kind of torn on Dak, but I still think he's an, a, a great quarterback in this league. But as far as Dak's injury is concerned, definitely no possibility of him playing this weekend. Would you say? Yeah, and it's so- there's one thing to kind of give credit. Like, I don't, you know, I, was, I respect the league, right? I respect the NFL. Yeah. One thing you got to give credit for the Cowboys is they prepared him well, right? So Cooper Rush is an inferior talent compared to Dak Prescott. He came in, Kellen Moore had him prepared. Kellen Moore schemed his strengths. So he basically was effective. He definitely he didn't seem like he was, you know, out of um element. He definitely seemed like he played pretty well. And like, like one thing I kind of noticed was they kept on moving the pocket for him, which I wish Washington did for Carson Wentz. There were so many rollouts were basically, you know, Cooper Rush would do a waggle, which is basically a fake run to the running back, kind of run to the right. They would do that, and basically, like, Penderson or whatever the tight end would always be an outlet for him, and um, CD Lamb would be deep. So they'd read high-low. If CD Lamb wasn't there, throw to Penderson, and it was, it was easy money, man. And I think they're going to be doing that to us next week. Easy <clears> money. <throat> Kellen Moore, you know, former quarterback, but great offensive mind in this league, and, you know, has done a lot of good things in Dallas since he's been in that coordinator spot. But as far as the Dak injury, uh, Dak injury is concerned, uh, ESPN's Todd Archer previously reported Prescott was scheduled to have his stitches removed from his surgically repaired thumb before Monday Night Football. We talked about that a little bit in the last episode. One of the quotes was, "His return to action is predicted on his or predicated on his grip strength, but he is continuing to make progress." So Dak will be on the field very, very soon for the Dallas Cowboys, but I don't think Sunday is going to be when. But I mean, you look mm-hmm. at like both of these units collectively as a whole, the offense. Dallas actually statistically in 2021, I, I didn't know this. Number one offense in the league. Oh, I Ninth that, yeah. in rushing, third in passing, first in scoring, 11th on third down, and seventh in EPA. And, you know, it, that's definitely a scary thing to hear when, you know, you hear that the commander's defense was allowing 8.5 yards on first downs on Sunday against the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles. Defensive unit, definitely no slouch either. Is something you'd already mentioned. But they were 19th last year, 16th in rushing, 20th in passing, 7th in scoring, which is a very, very big deal. Scoring defense is definitely something the commanders have mm-hmm. struggled, struggled with, but that was a big thing that kept Dallas in games last year. And they were, of course, 
First in interceptions, we will obviously talk about that man, Trayvon Diggs, at some point. But just some more numbers to know. The Cowboys led the NFL, yeah. lead the NFL so far with 13 sacks in three games. The Commanders gave up nine this last week. And 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 on top of that, <laughs> Wentz is getting absolutely hit in an abysmal rate. I mean, it's I, I don't yeah. think some of these numbers even do it justice at the end of the day. You know, in the last two weeks combined, Washington has run 55 plays in their first half. 27 have gained zero or fewer yards either. You know, when they went on their little streak last year, Kyle talked about this. They were they did go a little run heavy, but, I mean, it, you still have to have some kind of, like, variance on the offensive side of the ball. They go 5.8 uh, two yards per carry combined to or compared to their 5.28 yards per pass attempt. So, I got to ask you real quick. Do you feel like they they do need to kind of tend like trend towards the run, or do you feel like you you like Scott Turner's game plan up this point? How do you feeling about kind of the balance between the pass and the run so far for the Commanders this season? So prior to the season, I was a Scott Turner fan. I do like Scott Turner. I think he's pretty innovative. I, I like the way that he's incorporating Curtis Samuel and basically having him more of like you know jet sweeps and kind of you know little wrinkles to get him touching the ball. Right. Um, I do like this. Like my like dream philosophy is to be more of a pass force team, pass first team. Excuse me, like sixty forty ratio, be more of a passer. But um, sometimes you know if the, if it's not working and like you know if it's a, an assault like we saw with um, basically the Eagles and what we saw with the Lions, you have to do something different right and like you can definitely run the ball and kind of set the tone i think brian robinson is definitely missed like you know so it's not so weird to kind of say that because we haven't seen him yet but like yeah the type of the type, the type of runner that he has i think he could be excellent for what we need right like against the eagles he could have basically set the tone fall for you know got us in positive game script to throw the ball more um i do think it's a big deal I, like i mean we'll we'll see how it all plays out like i don't i don't know if i want to Antonio Gibson isn't an effective runner right now either. So, like, I think even last game he had maybe like what? How many yards did he have? Do you have it in front of you? Last game, uh, I think it was like thirty-eight something odd he yards. Had like Thirty yards and like fourteen carries. He had, it was a pretty two point eight yards per carry. So, some low in regard to that. So, it wasn't anything impressive. So, if that's not working, then what you're going to do? But, um, I think ideally what Washington needs to do is stop like um doing these five seven stop drops with um, Carson Wentz. Put him under center. Like you know, I know it sounds kind of counterintuitive. What the way like Carson Wentz thrives is he does a three step drop, quick short pass, and basically um let the yards of the catch happen with our wide receivers. That's what we need to do or run the ball. And I think I mean, that counter, that counteracts that just onslaught of blitzing constantly. So we'll see. This isn't an insult on Carson, but I mean, he's kind of at the, the more the game plan is scripted in his favor. I mean, he's got the arm strength for it. He's got the athleticism, but for me, it's like, you, you just got to get that ball out of his hands quick. You got to kind of mitigate how much time he gets to like, try to overcompensate and make a mistake. You know, and that was one thing I really liked about the game plan week one is that they got the ball out of hands Carson's hands very, very quickly. And I feel like that's mm -hmm. when he thrives as a passer. And, you know, accountability and coaching are two things that I would have liked to see from Ron Rivera uh, kind of going throughout most of these pressers throughout the last couple of days. And, you know, speaking of under center, Ron, of course, said there was no point on Sunday where he considered making a change at quarterback. I don't think anybody expected that, of course. But, you know, pass protection issues being huge. He said we all share a little of the blame. Uh, you know, said Wentz needs to see and decide quicker so they can fix some techniques, some protection calls to put them in better spot. He said the players get it. They heard from their coaches today. Shoot, I sat in most of those meetings. George, I know hey, you're a very I positive like guy. You're always upbeat. You always, but you still <laughs> give it to people straight at the end of the day. 
Do you feel yeah. like this yeah. early in the season with everything that's gone wrong? I mean, these are historically bad numbers in some of these halves. Do you feel like Coach Rivera is taking enough accountability for his share? No, I mean, I think, I think, I don't know. Whenever he has the conversation, he's always like, we're going to watch the tape. We're going to basically reflect on things. He definitely, I think he needs to be more assertive in regard to this is what I did wrong. But at the same time, I think, you know, he he's not a big fan of our media. I hope you guys know. No, that. he like, is not. He, no, he's he is not, not a fan of the media. So he doesn't want to give them any chum at all in regard to just kind of like, you know, shucks in the water to attack what he wants to do. Um, like, like I said, cars, like, when regard to um, Ron Rivera, I like the guy as a person. I think he's the right man for the job to navigate what we had to go through with the whole name change and is, you know, getting the team on the right path and kind of cleaning up everything. I do want to see it through. I don't think his job's in jeopardy for this year, but I think he definitely um, needs to kind of reflect and change a lot of things that are happening and basically maybe even step in and work with um, Jack DeRio and kind of give him some input because he's a defensive minded coach. Um, Going back to the offense, so we got to figure out what's going on with this offensive line. Is it like this is one thing you and I talked about offline? The the critique that I do have with Ron Rivera is 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 he an effective GM? Is that what that's is? Does he have like an arrogance? Does he have an overconfidence in regard to his player evaluation? And that's one thing that I'm concerned about. We had Eric Flowers and Brennan Sheriff. We had the sixth ranked PFF offensive line at the end of last season, and I was actually like, you know, everyone talks about how great Matsko is, and we had a great week one against the Jaguars, and then all of a sudden the Lions blitzed us, and I tweeted it out. I was like, the Lions just showed us the skeleton key on how to beat the Washington Commanders. Like Carson Wentz is like functional mobile, like he's functionally mobile, but he's not necessarily like a scramble like Jalen Hurts. And I, I yeah, think that lost well, Aiden Hutchinson was very vocal about it. Did he say, I didn't catch that. He was talking, he said some stuff. What did he say? Uh, he said, you know, when you got a guy who's kind of like a statue, I don't, I remember the exact quote. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. He's not so, mobile. He's not Jalen Hurts. He's not a Kyler Murray at any means. So it's like he's he can basically shift the pocket, but he's not going to get around too much. So basically, you know, that's what it comes down to. Like you have to kind of plan around that. So to answer your question, I like Ron Rivera's cultural stability. I don't know if I like his GM acumen and i think uh i know we had to reflect on everything all together in regard to our other coaches um last thing i'll say you know how big of a deal is it that chase rie is hurt right i know it's so kind of weird and kind of random to say no it's not even it's not even like that chase rie is like a dominant center but which he actually was pretty damn good but he's more of a cerebral type of like you know offensive lineman and basically the way it works in today's nfl the center is the one that's calling the protections and kind of sliding the protections and receiving the defensive linemen so Wes Schweitzer must have been in over his head. And I think like his snaps are bad. And, you know, he's a power. He did the best that he can in a pinch, but I don't think he's supposed to be a long-term solution for there. <clears throat> so the quote was that Lions defensive lineman, this is from Nikki Javala, Aiden Hutchinson, who had three sacks today uh, at the time, obviously having a less mobile quarterback is definitely what you want as a defensive line. And I think people <laughs> around the league are kind of figuring that out. Obviously Carson's going to lose a step with his injury. It's to be expected, but I like you said, we talked about this off air. Yeah. Ron Rivera, the person, Ron Rivera, the leader, Ron Rivera, the head coach. I'm all for it. I think it's exactly what this organization needs. And I still feel for the most part the same way I did mm -hmm. at the time when the hiring happened. I don't think that we could have honestly done any better. And I still kind of feel that way to an extent. You look around the league. I agree see, with that. I agree with all that. These I do agree with that. Right, young mm -hmm. offensive minds, these sexy hires. But at the end of the day, what's happening in Washington was is far from sexy, far from provocative. So it took a real adult to come in and fix a lot of these things. And I honestly feel like people outside I of agree. this fan base and outside of this media really don't understand mm -hmm. that. And 
I feel like it's almost kind of an unsaid or unsaid kind of thing that we know Ron's not going anywhere, at least for this season. It, it, if he is going to hang himself, he's afforded a very Agreed. long rope to do so. And, you know, I think he's going to get that, and I think he deserves that. Because like you said, he's dealt with just a insurmountable almost amount of crap since he's been here. And, you know, I it just is concerning, though, to see Ron say some of the things that he said the last couple of weeks you know, kind of just throwing Jamin under the bus last week. And then now he's saying the guys need to play better. They got to play better. That's the truth of the matter. Then you talk about Ron Rivera, the distinction between the coach and the GM. And, you know, you, now you're at the point where you bring back pretty much the whole defense that well, they were kind of playing with house money last year anyway. And now it just looks like a lack of talent on that side of the ball. So lack of talent and then yeah. in, in, inconsistent coaching. I mean, that's just a horrible concoction there. And, you know, when asked about everything, Ron it says, is. I'm an optimistic person. What has to happen? Guys that need to play better have got to play better. We have to play better. I mean, it's almost said that at Nauseam. When we have opportunities to make something happen, we got to do those things. <laughs> we address it, and now we have to do it. But, I mean, some alarming things. Washington's been outscored 46 to nothing in, in certain uh, – I think in first halves. You know, Philadelphia yeah, outgained Washington games. Yep. 322 yards to 50. Scott called, I think, 16 passing plays. They ended up with seven incompletions, six sacks, and three completions for 24 yards and you know seven of the eagles nine sacks came without blitzing as well that's definitely not a game i want to sit here and ruminate on but i mean some of these numbers are uh, things that could end up turning into a trend not you know maybe just a yeah. week kind of thing and you know we kind of talked about washington's defense right you know for all of its struggles i feel like they were pretty stout in the red zone and 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 something sam fortier said as well was that they were really good on fourth down and i, I definitely agree with that i thought cole holcomb and everybody made some plays and obviously in, in regards to plays you wanted to kind of contain those explosive plays that had been a huge problem for the commanders the last couple of weeks and you know ron said we had guys in position that weren't in position last week. It's a matter of being able to get to the ball and make a play on it. In Detroit, we weren't in position down the field to make a play. So I felt like, you know, the defense really tried to, not, to bend and not break, but they eventually broke because, I mean, this is let's just be honest, this is a very good Philadelphia Eagles team, whether people want to acknowledge it or not. And, you know, obviously they really need to improve in the turnover differential. They're minus four, which is tied for 29th right now. And speaking of gradings and rankings and all that good stuff, uh, it, it is interesting to see that Derek Force and Cam Crow are both top 20 safeties according to PFF. And some of the more gradings coming out of this Philadelphia loss. You got Benjamin St. Juice, who I definitely think was the the player of the game on the defensive side of the ball, 78.4 grade. Yeah, play good. Yeah, Cam Cam Curl, 75.6. He did leave the game with a cramp. They held him out, which I thought was a smart move. Effie Obata, 74.4, and then Jamin Davis, 73.2. We, we talked a lot about Jamin Davis and how he's kind of yeah. starting to trend upward. But I got to ask you I a agree. question. There's one sure. guy in particular that was missing on this defense on Sunday, and I'd argue that we have so, we saw a lot better out of the defense now that he wasn't there. Do you think this defense is better without William Jackson III? Do you think this just this, this thing's just never going to work in Washington? I mean, I know that's a blunt question, George, but I got to tell you, I really liked what I saw at Benjamin St. Juice. I know it's a small sample size, but w there was an issue between BSJ and, and WJ3, and it led to a lot of those big chunk plays in Detroit. And this is a, a, a stout Eagles defense that the commander uh, – stout, uh, stout offense, excuse me – that the commanders held with very early in this game. Yeah. And it, it was very physical. What do you think about William Jackson the third's involvement? Do you think it's too – the jury's still out? Or what, what's your overall, like, gauge on what's going on with William Jackson the third? So I think it was very opportune because BSJ is a tall dude. He's about 6'3", 220 pounds or something regarded that. He's got a big body, and I think the, the game plan was right before game time when William Jackson was out, 
they're like, hey, yo, you're going to cover A.J. Brown, right? <laughs> and basically, he covered A.J. Brown and did a pretty solid job. I mean, he did a solid yeah. job. Like, I think it was big body versus big body, and he did a pretty decent job there. But then, you know, Kendall Fuller got smoked against Devontae Smith, who just basically is a whole other animal, right? Like, I feel like Washington, we, we haven't had a fast twitch cornerback in a very, very long time. We've had, like, cornerbacks that can tackle and kind of help out and run support. We haven't had, like, a shutdown burner like quick cornerback since like I guess you know Champ Bailey maybe it's been a very, yeah very long really time. it's been a very long time. William Jackson's supposed to be that guy, but like we, we just don't use him correctly. And I just like I just don't know. I think the marriage is going to fail. To be honest with you, I don't want to be like too tough on him, but like you know last week he had he played a pretty good game against the Lions. He was he was supposed to be where like there were times where he gave up touchdowns, but he was where he was supposed to be. Like he slipped in the end zone one time on a touchdown, but he was there. Yeah, I um, mean you know, he had to he had to speed to recover, but I think ultimately he cost 15.6 million dollars and next year there's an out in his contract for a dead money cut exactly right so i think it'd be a nine million dollar cap hit i wouldn't be surprised if washington goes cornerback in the first round depending on how high they pick or maybe an offensive lineman in regard to that but i think there's going to be some sort of um there's going to be some i think there will be some movement and it's kind of sad because i was very optimistic for him but ultimately parker is being real i think our whole cornerback group is a little bit like slightly overrated i don't want to be uh, yeah, mean or whatever. I, yeah like people love kendall fuller kendall fuller's a cb2 he's a he's a he's a he's a b cornerback i like him i i i think he's cerebral and a good like he knows what he's doing but he doesn't have the he can't cover those fat like we saw him against Devontae Smith, who had like zero catches the previous week, like or the week before. And then like he had 160 yards in the first half. Did you see all those pictures got the of Jamar him just Chase or Justin getting Jefferson those by guys, Devontae yeah. Smith in that first yeah. half? I mean, there's like a whole yeah. compilation. And I'm look, yeah, it's funny because like, you know, I feel like historically Kendall Fuller last year statistically finished kind of be like a PFF darling. He was yeah. like a top 10 corner in a lot of lot of like stats in regards to PFF. Yeah. And I remember when I interviewed him at the draft party, I told him that. And like he looked down at my notes and he's like, was is that right? Was I really a top ten corner? And I just, I yeah. just, I, I tried so hard not to laugh because it's almost like he didn't even believe it himself. So yeah, I, I think if these two guys, I, look, I, I'm glad that you blame a lot of it on coaching because I think that is a big issue. William Jackson third, I think the talent's there. I think he has all the ability to make all the plays that, like you said, he can make. But at this point, Kendall Fuller, I mean, Kendall Fuller's just looking washed out there. William Jackson third, like you said, I don't see this marriage working out. I think he's gonna be a cap casualty. We're talking about a possible Carson Wentz extension at one point. And then you talk about just athleticism at the position. We're really lacking. And I'm not saying William Jackson isn't uh, uh, doesn't have great athletic ability, but at the same time, he doesn't exactly have top 10, top 15 athletic ability that you would get in drafting one of these guys come April. Let it be known, I'm watching a lot of quarterback tape for college, and I'm very excited about a lot of these guys. But we're not quite at that point of disparity in the season where we're we're talking about who we're going to draft. So, <laughs> a couple more weeks. A couple more weeks. Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah, percent. Uh, you know, pressure rate. I think another big issue for this defense. Payne, Obata, Tony Allen, in that order, all had a pretty stout showing on Sunday. But if there's one guy in particular with zero pressure, zero hurries, and zero quarterback hits, I got to ask you, George, where where's Montez Sweat? I know, man. So I saw Gosh. that going around on Twitter the other day. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sweat stand. Yeah, I like sweat as am I. Really I as am I. <laughs> yeah, but the rubber got hit the road pretty soon, right? This is the year. Like this is this is his prove it year because basically he needs to get under contract on a long term deal or that fifth year option, or basically he's going to be, you know, or you know we have to let him go and kind of because honestly it's getting to the point where is, do we retain Deron Payne or do we retain Montez Sweat? And to be honest with you, Deron Payne's the better player of the two right now. Um, for me, to be honest with you, like I think Edge is more of the 
desirable higher oh, no end um, position to have. I think Montez Sweat has high level traits. I think he can, he's right there, but I am curious to see how he'll perform when Chase Young comes back. Because if you think about it, his, you know, running mate is James Smith Williams and Casey Tuhill and like people that are like, they're not fast twitch at all. They're more of like four, three defensive ends where they're kind of like run stoppers. And they're game pointing that. against Montez. The, the, and that's pretty much yeah, it. They are. They're, they're basically like, I'm going to shift everything over here. I'm going to chip over here. So he's kind of fighting uphill. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll explode. I actually, I'm a big fan of him. I honestly think like it's, it's, you know, I always, whenever I come on these podcasts, I'm always like Montez Sweat is as good or can be better than Chase Young long-term. It is how is it going to play out? So we'll see. Um, Chase Young, hopefully he comes back and does something too. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, I, obviously, you know, Halloween being the, the, the time slot everybody's rumoring, but nothing confirmed. I definitely agree. Once he comes back, I think that's going to ma- change the dynamic of this pass rush overall, and that's going to be huge for Montez Sweat because now these offensive lines can game plan, and they're not really quite worried. No disrespect to that those guys, but James Smith, William, Shaka, Tony. Montez is just, in my opinion, I've said it all summer, he's the best pass rusher on this team as of right now. I think Chase Young, obviously, defensive rookie of the year. You know, He's shown you all the potential in the world, but at this point, it's just been potential. Montez has been the guy that's yeah. really just put out the sack numbers and been that you know premium pass rusher for this team and that premium is not going to be free here very soon like you said there's some very tough decisions to make so i think the faster chase young comes back the better you know i montez is a guy i'll say it i'll say it again and again and again he's another guy a lot like preston smith you don't want to leave this building and just go watch him be a really good player somewhere else montez is a guy that we traded up in the first round for i was ecstatic about the pick there was all that medical bull crap but I think Montez has been an awesome player to watch. It sucks to see him kind of disappear sometimes, but like you said, it, 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 it context matters in this situation. And I think the faster you get 99 back, I think the better 90 is going to play. So injuries, obviously, you know, a big issue for the commanders. Sam Cosme was limping off the field at one point. You got Wes Schweitzer at center. Some of those snaps were looking pretty rough. You know, you wonder if Nick Martin can kind of get his crap together and, and, and throw in there. You got a couple old guards. I said the brain is sure exodus was going to lead to some some rough offensive line play i mean i can understand why people thought brandon was a heavy price tag you even argue they didn't want to be here but at the end of the day that's an all pro you had right there and that was this was a very good offensive line last year and this very good offensive line last year still struggled against dallas i mean you you know exactly what i'm talking about those games were brutal uh, you know, and, and I got to say, I, I did like that accountability from Wentz this week. Kind of go back him for a second. He says he's got to protect the football anytime there's traffic in the pocket. He said there's nothing major fixed, but he just needs to execute better. He says he's got to get it out and he's got to stay confident. And, man, you have a hell of a pass rush coming after you, my friend. And, you know, I something else, George, I just want to vent about for a second is that, you know, you I, I love my guys over rep the district. I love Stoner. Stoner kind of brought up how, you know, this is a similar yeah. to last year with the start, you know, and then we rolled into Buffalo and got absolutely steamrolled. And, you know, then we bounced back the next week. I don't want to compare this year to last year. This isn't the same team. This shouldn't be the same dynamic. And it definitely shouldn't be the same expectations. I definitely could see Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts having the same level of ascension. But, I mean, this is an organization, a coaching staff, and everybody who should just have higher expectations for this year in general. And I feel like that's a big reason for all the fan apathy that we're kind of dealing with right now in general. And, you know, as far as like a team overview of Dallas, obviously you got Mike McCarthy as the head coach. He's 18 and 15 with the team heading into the season. We kind of already talked about Kellen Moore, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you talk about kind of some other people on this unit. You know, obviously big problem with the commanders is that they have kind of an abundance of youth starting. 
Uh, William Bradley yeah. King, uh, Benning, both played 51 snaps on Sunday. None of them were on the active roster a week ago. I expect Kellen Mond to just pick those guys apart on that defensive line. Dan Quinn, you know, bouncing back as the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator last year. They allowed a franchise record, I think, in points the year prior. They bounced back pretty well. You know, Dak got paid yeah. and, you know, kind of struggling to keep him on the field. He was second in comeback player of the year voting last year. Finished with the second most passing yards in the league last year. 37 touchdowns, 10 picks, 4,000 yards. But, I mean, they did lose Amari Cooper, Leo Collins, Randy Gregory. You know, Zeke, you know, still a 1,000-yard rusher, uh, 10 touchdowns, you know, 62.1 yards per game, mm-hmm. 4.1 yards per carry. But you talk about the Tony Pollard effect. That's the guy who I'm really expecting to be a big factor this weekend. He finished the last year uh, 169 touches, 1,000 yards from scrimmage, two touchdowns. They re-signed Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper to Cleveland, C.D. Lamb, still pretty solid numbers last year, 79 receptions, 1,100 yards, 13.9 yards per catch and six touchdowns. Dalton Schultz is a tight end that a lot of people are high on across the league, seven, eight receptions, 800 yards, eight touchdowns. Offensive line, I feel like at this point, George, they're, they're relying a little bit more on their reputation than they are actual, like, you know, Oh, yeah. The Cowboys offensive line isn't good. Yeah, they yeah it too. has not been good for years, and I think that's a big reason we haven't really seen them come back to that 2016 form with Dak. You know, Tyron yeah. Smith definitely living off his reputation at this point. Zach Martin, 16 and 18 games last year, definitely being most durable. They got a little bit of an epidemic at center. Uh, Tyler Smith hopefully getting a lot of playing time. How, wh- what is the, What are some things about this Cowboys offense that you want the commanders to exploit heading into this matchup? That's a good catch. That's a good point. So definitely the offensive line, we have to – we have to basically use our strength, right? So Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen has a great pressure in the middle. We have to make Cooper Rush not feel comfortable, right? Like he he felt us watch the game. He looked pretty damn comfortable yesterday, whether that was moving the pocket or not. So we have to blitz him in different angles. Um, we have to shut down CD Lamb. Um, take away the run game. I think that's what we have to do. I think it, you mentioned Tony Pollard being explosive and kind of breaking the game open. That's always the backbreaker. I feel like Washington can kind of like sustain and kind of keep things together for a little while, then one or two plays breaks it open open and it's a floodgate even with the philadelphia game last week right like the first quarter we kind of shut them down we weren't really they weren't really doing too much and all of a sudden they kind of figured out oh Devonte smith can exploit in a folder i'm gonna do this over and over again is what they're gonna do i think watching if if the cowboys can establish to run it, that's gonna be it's gonna be a long day for us because basically they're gonna be running all day then they're gonna do play action they're gonna hit us with cd lamb that's gonna be what it comes down to so shutting that down is kind of what that's my first and foremost but i like it's funny. There's no personal th- effects or anything into the game, but I hate Zeke. Zeke Elliott's my least favorite player in the league. I don't like really? him. Really? Why is that? I'm, always, I'm intrigued. I, like, I, I just don't like him, dude. He's, I feel like he's just like, I don't know. He's like, he, first of all, he's a cowboy. He kind of like exemplifies what the Cowboys are to me. Like this flash and like the visor, and, like talks too much and like overrated. Like that's how over I the top. So like, I, yeah, so that's how I am with Zeke. I'm not a big fan of him. So I would love to shut him down. Um, it's gonna be crazy, man. CD Lamb's gonna get his though, unfortunately. So we gotta, we gotta, like, you know, we it's gonna be a shootout, honestly. Like going into this season, I actually, I actually predicted the Cowboys to win the division. Like everyone was kind of jumping on the Eagles, like all oh, the Eagles are gonna win. I knew the Cowboys had the number one rated offense. I thought they're gonna take a step back with Amari Cooper, but step back from one to ten isn't that big of a fall. And then <laughs> if you have like this, you know, all pro corner, I'm not saying I don't even think um Trayvon Diggs is an all pro corner, but like all like you have a solid corner, he creates turnovers. You have Michael Parsons, like he's gonna win defensive player of the year one of these years. Like maybe not this year, pretty soon. Like maybe if Aaron Donald like, takes a year off or something, he can probably 
possibly win. But Michael Parsons will definitely – he's going to win Defensive Player of the Year one time. It's going to happen. So, like, it's tough, man. So, we just got to see how it goes. And George doesn't hate anything, but I learned today that he hates Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott. So, I, I, I don't like I, I'm, I'm Elliott. definitely going to keep that in the back of my head now. But, I mean, you're right. I, I feel like he is relying a lot on that 2016 season. And, you know, obviously yeah. they got paid pretty – he got paid pretty early himself. I'm sure he could care a lot less as long as he's getting his yards and his agent, I'm sure, mm-hmm. feels the same way. Everybody knows Pollard's the back on this offense that they're definitely worried about. As far as, like, wide receiver, obviously everybody knew they had a pretty good uh, homegrown product in Michael Gallup. They made Amari Cooper leaving a lot easier. Same with CeeDee Lamb. Seems to be a lot of dependency on CeeDee Lamb in this season. He he got a lot of big looks, was expected, made a lot of big plays on Monday Night Football as well. feel like he's kind of done a good job for the most part, kept his head above water. Has had some issues with his hands, but you kind of went over to the Cowboys' defense, and, and as far as the offense is concerned – I might be I might really regret saying this come the end of the week, but you gotta make Cooper Rush beat you. That's one of the biggest things about this game. I'm sure he'll make me eat my so words. Take away the run. Make yeah, him. you you gotta take away exactly. the run. That's the Cowboys bread and butter. Like you said, that opens up everything else in that offense and Kellen is gonna be able to cook. And so but as far as this Cowboys defense is concerned, uh, they forced a turnover on 17.5% of their opponent's drives last year, second in the league. They also had 188 wow. total pressures, which That's is the third fair. most That's in fantastic. the league. Yeah, and then th- that defensive line, they were able to keep Demarcus Lawrence. He was 13th in sacks last year. Uh, they were 13th in sacks as a unit last year, a $105 million deal for Mr. Demarcus Lawrence. But they did lose Randy Gregory, who was second on sacks in the team, replaced him with Dante Fowler, who hasn't quite lived up. Uh, but, you know, Lawrence did break his foot before the opener, only appeared in seven games. Micah Parsons, he is going to be yeah. the thumbnail of this video because I think this is going to be the best player on the field on Sunday and someone that the commanders are going to have to yeah. watch out for because this is a dangerous man we're talking about. You talk about Aaron Donald maybe deciding, yeah, I don't want to play football this year. Michael Parsons, you plug him in, he's he's 2A in that instance, in my opinion. You know, you talk about <laughs> defensive rookie of the year. I, I felt like he was defensive player of the year. You could honestly make a strong argument for that last year. He could. You know, and he was COVID, crazy. COVID stopped him from breaking a bunch of uh, records, in my opinion. He was the best linebacker in his class. I know that hurts Commanders fans to hear it. But, I mean, you know, I'm kind of scared to see what he's going to do on Sunday, to be 100% honest with you. He's the second highest pass rush rate in the NFL, uh, and that's he's a multifaceted guy. This is a guy that can do everything. He was the yeah. unanimous defensive rookie of the year last year. Lawrence Taylor said, you know, during the Monday Night Football matchup, let's see if he can do it for 13 years. I, I don't see w- why he couldn't at this point. Uh, second in, is early in his career, but still. Second in defensive player of the year voting, George. I don't know whether you knew that or not, but last year, 13 sacks, 20 TFLs, 30 quarterback hits, 16 starts. And then on top of that, if this guy's actually healthy, you got Leighton Vander Esch on the other side too. That's a guy that got in Daniel Jones's face very early and very often. Daniel Jones definitely having to rely on that athleticism to extend the play. But Trayvon Diggs, another guy you mentioned, a uh, big reason they were the top of the league in takeaways. He was an All Pro, allowed over a thousand yards through the air though, but did have the most interceptions in team history. But mm-hmm. deep decline and uh, far as far as talent is concerned at corner. Then you go to Anthony Brown, Jordan Lewis. They were both tied with three picks uh, to back up uh, Mr. Uh, Trayvon Diggs. But I definitely agree. Trayvon Diggs is, is a guy I could definitely having see having a decline. But, you know, I'm, we've, we've done a pretty good job when it comes to Dallas as a collective team, coaches staff, all that good stuff. This is the time of the show yeah. on our preview pod where we predict what is going to happen this Sunday <laughs> at FedEx Field. It's starting to become a little bit of a pessimistic segment. But, uh, obviously, we're brought to you today by our sponsor, Prize Picks. Make sure you use promo code SSNWFT for a $100 instant deposit bonus match. Download the free Prize Picks app today and get 
start it. Also, make sure you guys comment below what your predictions are for this Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. Do we want Dallas? Let us know below what you think is going to happen. But, George, we'll go to you first. Maybe hit us with some bold predictions, score predictions. Hit us hit us with all of it. How are you feeling right now? Obviously, it's a little early in the week. We're recording here on a Tuesday. But how are you feeling about the commander's chances? Do you think they come out on top? And to be honest with you, like, I'm always the honest, objective person, right? So I think Dallas is going to pull us out, man. I think they really are. <laughs> I think it's going to be kind of ugly, man. I think, um, like, right now, early in the week, unless something kind of convinces me otherwise, I'm looking at, like, a 27-14 to 14 game, something along the lines of that. I think the Cowboys are going to win in regard to that. I think the pass rush is going to be a pretty big deal. Um, it's it's sad. In, in D.C., maybe this is the jadedness that I have as being a fan for so long – you kind of can see things kind of like the chick in the armor, right? From we, way we saw, out. <laughs> yeah. So you basically, so we saw Carson Wentz struggle against the Lions. We saw him struggle against the um, Eagles. And basically, I think the Cowboys are better than both of them in regard to their pass rush. Like, like the, the narrative is we want Carson Wentz to do very well. I know you don't really like Carson Wentz that much, but I personally do. I like, I like Carson Wentz. I think this is going to be the game where it's like Michael Parsons is going to hit him, the ball's going to pop out, someone's going to grab it for a touchdown. It's going to be like one of those like ugly kind of like turnover games. I would love it, love it, love it if I was completely wrong. But honestly, Parker, like what have they shown us to kind of think otherwise? If you like, exactly. I don't want to be a blind homer. I want to I want to be like someone that like you know George is like actually knows what he's talking about and keeping it real and that's so I must be honest like for six quarters all of the last game against the Eagles we looked awful the first half against the Lions we looked awful unless there's a drastic change I don't see how things could be different this is not you know like it's it's, it's a fight uphill so I got to give the Cowboys credit maybe 27 is a little bit too many points but I feel like it's going to be a defensive turnover from the Cowboys like that stat was staggering by the way. I don't know if even like, like comprehended it yet 17% of the time you know 17% of possessions they turn over the ball you know realistically it's like one out of every five possessions for a team and typically a team gets like eight possessions per game it's like one turnover per game so the cowboys they just do it man it's ridiculous it's crazy so it's, it's interesting to know i let the fan in me speak last week i predicted that carson was going to go in through four touchdowns and we were going to barely squeak out a win against the philadelphia eagles but you talked about that forecast of the game kind of looming throughout the week and you know not the actual forecast but like the matchup and you know yeah. Some people, I do so on the episode last week, you know, he felt like I was giving Philly a little bit too much credit. But this is a very what have you done for me lately kind of league. And at the end of the day, the commanders have shown me absolutely nothing for me to pick them to win yeah. this game. Cooper Rush, Dak Prescott, and Dak's 9-1 and one against this team. So, I mean, if anything, yeah. it, it, it helps out the commanders that Cooper Rush is playing. But this will be the game where they have all the all the graphics ready to talk about Cooper and how he's beating the odds. And, you know, like I said, this is their little Taylor Heineke story this year. And I, I think yeah, they're going to be all for it. And one thing as well is, is that, you know, Taylor did have some form of mobility. You talked about Ezekiel Elliott, and you also talked about how he banks on his reputation. A big reason that I've never been high on Carson Wentz as a player is that they bank on 2017. We're not talking about 2017-level mobility here. So when you have Micah Parsons running up the gut and he bulldozes your center and Carson is not even done making his, reading, his, reading the field, and he's not going to have this capability to get out of that. And you know Dan Quinn is a respected defensive mind in the National Football League, and he's going to be cooking up all kinds of stuff. A lot like the Lions, defenses in the league are licking their chops to get at this quarterback. You know, Brandon Graham and them had a hell of a day on Sunday. I don't see why the Dallas Cowboys can't do the same exact thing. So I have the Dallas Cowboys coming out on top of this, unfortunately. 
23 to 21. I do think it's going to be kind of a low scoring game. I think they're going to eke out a win. I got Tony Pollard finishing with over 100 yards from scrimmage. I got three sacks for Micah Parsons in this contest. I know that's, I know that's rough. You know, like I said, you, you, I can you see want that. to be positive, I but I mean, that, I can totally see that stat, stat line. Yeah. I got them barely squeaking out a win, but for, the, I, for the people that say we're being a little bit negative, Terry McLaurin, uh, obviously the, the commanders have struggling finding him. <laughs> Uh, in general, Pete Haley talked about it. Week one, he didn't get his first catch till the first play of the second quarter. Week two, he didn't get his first catch till one minute and 15 seconds in the third. And then week three, eight minutes in the third quarter. But Terry had a great quote, and I just want to say this as we kind of close out here. We don't have time to feel sorry for ourselves. We have an opportunity in Dallas to try and get the taste out of our mouths, but it's going to take a, a lot of reflection and us getting better. So at the end of the day, even though this is early in the season, George, you don't want to panic. Yeah, we could have never given that guy enough money as far as I'm concerned. So as long as all those other guys, 100%. all 52 other men on the active roster have that same energy, you know, any given Sunday. But it is, like I said, a what have you done for me lately kind of league. And at the end of the day, nobody wants to beat Dallas more than us fans, content creators. It doesn't matter. So I hope the guys go out there and do it and they right all their wrongs. But they have their work cut out for them. And that will do it for our preview episode of the week four matchup against the Dallas Cowboys. George, as always, man, you always bring it. Uh, you know, you said you're objective and fair, and that's why I love having you on the show. You, you give it to them like it is, and you're also that nice little blend of a, a diehard fan as well. So if our listeners aren't following you, tell them where they can. So thanks, Brock, for having me. I love the chopping game, you know, talking game with you all day long. It was so much fun. Um, hopefully the commanders will show us something this week. We don't see how it goes. But um, in regard to content, man, so obviously find me on Parker's show. I'm sure it's going to be posted. We'll see it on Twitter. Um, my handle is at gcarmy21. You can find me there. I also overlook the full press commanders handle, FBC underscore commanders handle on Twitter as well. Um, basically, I write for fullpresscoverage.com, and I'm trying to grow my full press commanders podcast on YouTube. So you can find that on YouTube or in all audio platforms. And definitely give me a holler. You know, I love talking shop. So hit me up. I'm definitely laid back, man. So I love talking NFL. George, one of the best in the fan base, full press commanders, all things B and G is always on also on a bunch of different shows as well. Holds you a lot in the same regard as Maul. You're one of the best out there, man. And as far as like a little bit of our laundry list for sidelines, make sure you guys click the link in our description, the link tree. You can find us on all social media. Twitter, Silence underscore WFT, everything sidelines in the link tree. Also, I'm the head of the uh, Sideline Sports Network for the NFL side. So if you're interested in becoming a contributor, sidelineswft at gmail.com. Email me. We're always looking for people. But like George says, we're hoping that they pull something out of their ass and and show up and play this weekend. Uh, give it their best go. And, you know, let's just hope that the commanders start that little winning streak now. But we will see you guys then with a very special guest and another one of the best content creators in the BNG world. But until then, this is the SSN signing off. Peace. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.